Hi and welcome to my latest podcast. I'm super excited you're joining me as we go through the Gospel of John and we look at Jesus through the eyes of one of his best friends and we come across some incredible theological gems, some wonderful stories and just this amazing perspective that's really different from the other three Gospel writers. So buckle up and join me, Paul White, as we saunter through the book of John. Good morning, saunterers. We are back on sauntering. Woohoo! And um, thank you for everyone who prayed for me during my trip to Ukraine. It was an amazing trip, really challenging, very exciting. And um, you can catch up and listen to my podcast. I've interviewed some amazing people. I've still got one, maybe two more to upload, so that would be really cool. Hi Tracy Ann, good to see you, hope you're well. And we are resuming our saunter through through John's eyewitness account of the life of his best friend Jesus. And it's an incredible account, it gives us so much insight and we're going to have some fun. So Father, we ask you to speak to us today. Lord, we want Jesus to not just be a historical person but to be a real living reality someone that we know we walk with every single day holy spirit bring revelation to us today amen good morning ruth lovely to see chris yesterday and hope you are well too recovering so we're in we finished off on um i think it was verse 29 of chapter 6 of john last time and so we'll pick up again in verse 30 John's gospel chapter 6 verse 30 here we go so Jesus is in this kind of exchange with the Jewish leaders and the Pharisees and so on and they say to him then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you so they're still skeptical they're still saying we want more evidence we want more signs we want a real humdinger of a sign that settles it once and for all fabulous hi louise hi pat and mike and they say we want this sign that's going to settle this issue once and for all about your identity about who you are and then So they say to him, what sign do you do that we may see and believe? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. So what they're doing now is they're comparing Jesus to Moses, who was the greatest. um, That was their top boy, really, in their history. And Moses said, after me will come a prophet. And so they're kind of wondering if Jesus is the one that Moses spoke of. And so what they're looking for is some kind of evidence on a par with what Moses gave when he gave them manna in the wilderness. So they say, verse 31, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. So hold on, I'm going to give you a history lesson right now. You thought it was Moses giving your forefathers the manna from heaven that they picked up every morning. And it was like wafers dipped in honey. And they ate this all the way through those 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Jesus is saying, actually, that is not Moses. Moses didn't do that. That was actually my father. Good morning, Valentine. 
And he says, but actually my father gives you the true bread from heaven for verse 33. The bread of God is he. It's not a thing. It's a he. It's a someone. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they say to him, sir, give us this bread always. So this is this is obviously not just the kind of skeptics, but this is a bunch of people who are gathering around Jesus and they want to have evidence. They like seeing signs. They like the supernatural. They like that kind of stuff. But now they're saying, we we are, you know, where are you in relation to Moses? How great are you in relation to him? Actually, Jesus is saying the manna is not the point. The manna is pointing to someone and I am he. Actually, the real bread that God gives is me. His, what is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So he's saying everything that you have in your history, Jewish nation, is actually pointing to me. Even the bread, even the water coming out of the rock, everything that you understood to be kind of evidence of God with you. Actually, there's a bigger truth, and that is that they all point to me. I'm the bread that comes down from heaven. I'm the true bread that gives life to the world. Jesus is saying, like, actually, just like bread is a staple diet, staple part of diet, it's got protein and um carbohydrates is a very essential part of many people's diets he's saying i need you or at least i want you to understand that in the same way bread sustains you i will sustain you you need to start changing your focus from natural things to understand that i'm the one who truly gives life in a way that bread can never do so jesus said to them so they say, give us this bread always. Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. But I said to you, so Jesus already told the woman at the well, I'm the one who gives water that, you know, satisfies forever. Now he's saying, I'm the bread. If you eat from me, you'll never get hungry. If you drink from me, you'll never get thirsty. But I said to you, you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. So Jesus is saying, right, here I am. I've come from God. I've come down from heaven. I'm actually the real thing that life is about. I'm the real one. I'm the real bread that can truly satisfy. I'm the bread of life. I have a different kind of life in me that you need in you. And you need to come to me and believe. And he says that all the father gives me, I will never cast away. So anyone who comes to Jesus, he's saying, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So this is one of those incredible statements that John makes, which includes that word whoever. So we've already heard him say that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever 
believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This really incredibly famous verse. But now Jesus is saying here again, whoever comes to me, I will never cast them out. So listen to me, whatever, whoever's listening ultimately ever to this podcast or saunter, whatever state you're in, Jesus says to me, whoever, Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Whatever, however far away from him you feel, however sinful and despicable you feel, however unworthy of the love of God you feel or you believe or people may have told you you are. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And so he is the one who welcomes us in. He's the one who brings us into reconciliation, to a relationship with God that no one else can do. No other religion can offer this. And Jesus is, and, and actually I've often said that Christianity is the only faith that you've got to be bad enough to join. And this is for everybody. This is for the outcast, the sinner. This is for the rich person, the successful person. This is, this is whoever. And he says, I'm not here to do my own work. I'm not here to try and achieve something for me. I'm here to do the will. I'm here to serve the purpose of the one who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it up on the last day. And so we understand that the work of Jesus is is relevant for this life, is important for this life, But it also has an ultimate significance on the last day that what Jesus has been doing in our lives and in our hearts in this life, he raises up on the last day and it's brought to completion on that last day when we stand before God and Jesus owns us before him and says, yep, that one's one of mine, paid for that one. Yep, I've covered their sin. It's all taken care of. And he says, I will raise it up on the last day for this is the will of my father that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him or her up on the last day. Isn't that an incredible hope? That is the hope that sustains us. That's the hope of the gospel. That's why the gospel is good news. It's because not only does Jesus Um, shift our lives and transform us in this life but on the last day when it's all over and done with and we stand before God he raises us up and he says yep I've done it this one is mine this one is one of ours who comes to be with us forever and ever and ever and have eternal life that is so cool so the Jews grumbled about him because he said I'm the bread that comes came down from heaven and they said is not this Jesus the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know how does he now say I have come down from heaven right classic error people do it all the time they look at Jesus through their natural eyes and they form natural conclusions now this is technically correct what they're saying this is Jesus the son of Joseph he was believed to be the son of Joseph the bible says whose father and mother we know well yes they did they did know him but their knowledge of him was on a natural level and they failed to see the significance of his life 
on a much deeper eternal level and so um they've they've done that classic error they've they've used their natural minds they've they've considered jesus from a natural perspective and missed entirely the point of his life and the point of him being on the earth and jesus answered them verse 43 do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. So this is really interesting because he's just said previously, whoever comes to me, I'll never cast out or never drive them away. He said, whoever believes in him would have eternal life. But now he's saying, actually, you can't even come to me unless the father draws you. Now, what he's doing is he's having a bit of a dig at the Jewish experts and the Pharisees and people around who claim to know God. But actually, the very fact that they can't sense the father drawing them to Jesus indicates that their hearts are hard and closed to God. So on the surface of it, this seems to contradict what he just said, because he's now saying no one can come to the fa- come to me unless the Father draws him. Actually, the our ability to hear and respond to the Father drawing us is to do with the condition of our hearts. And if our hearts are hard and we're just viewing Jesus as another contender for a kind of world influencer or somebody significant but who's got some good things to say then we're going to miss that draw of the father drawing us and it's to do with our hearts being open that we're able to respond and recognize the father drawing us to Jesus now even in this day God is drawing people the father is drawing people but also there are people who are hearing the message They're hearing things that Christians are saying and people like me and you and others are saying, but they're looking at it purely from a natural perspective. They're arguing the toss with themselves on the inside and they're saying, yeah, we know about Jesus. We know blah, blah, blah. And they're unable to hear and feel and sense the father drawing them. And so we need to pray that God will soften their hearts and let the work of his spirit get going on their hearts so that their hearts become tender and that they can sense the drawing of the father drawing them to Jesus because without that no one can be saved so he says no um where are we no one can come to the come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and i will raise him up on the last day verse 45 it is written in the prophets and they will be taught by god Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Isaiah says, doesn't he? And your sons and daughters will be taught by the Lord, which is really cool. And there is this wonderful truth that is beyond, it just blows my mind that somehow God himself has got time to teach me that God himself, the great creator of the universe, has got time to spend with me. Hi, Suzanne. Great to see you. And oh man, that blows my mind. It's unbelievable and yet it's true, isn't it? And Jesus is saying it. Jesus is emphasizing it. He's underlining it. He says, in my Bible, this is underlined. All your sons and daughters will be taught by the Lord. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So he's saying, if you're already a disciple of the Father, you will come to me. 
If you're genuinely, seriously looking for God, if you're genuinely, seriously trying to find Jesus, to find the truth and trying to follow God, you will come to Jesus. Good morning, Deck. Great to see you, buddy. And so we we ha- it's all to do with the conditions of our the condition of our heart. If our heart is tender and genuinely seeking after God, we will find Jesus. And so verse 46, he says, not that anyone has seen the father except he who is from God. He has seen the father. So he's saying nobody's seen him except me. Verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Right now we're getting into deep theological water, which is really, really interesting. So Jesus is emphasizing again, I'm the bread that comes down from heaven. Forget the manna. It's all about me. The manna was pointing to me. Here I am. You need to respond to the father who's drawing you to me listen to what he's actually saying rather than what your mind is saying and now he's thrown this massive spanner in the works he says the bread that i will give for the life of the world is my flesh and we know that jesus gave his life as a sacrifice so his life wasn't taken from him when he was on the cross he was giving his life he says i give my life as a ransom for many And his actual humanity, his human flesh was crucified, nailed to that cross um, to pay for the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Right. Verse 52. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh, of the son of man and drink his blood you have no life in you whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks on my blood drinks my blood has eternal life and i will raise him up on the last day for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and i in him as the living father sent me and i live because of the father whoever feeds on me he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Right, Jesus is winding these guys up properly now. They cannot cope with this. It's taking them to another level and they're not prepared to go there. They can understand how Jesus could possibly expect a Jew to eat human flesh but again they're looking at it with their natural eyes they're processing it with their natural mind they're not understanding that he is speaking about a spiritual reality a spiritual truth that where we need to get Jesus inside of us we need to feed on him and feast on him somehow in this on this spiritual level where he becomes our life source, our sustaining power, the thing, the energy within us. And he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. So what he's saying is you've got to somehow get yourselves 
feeding on me and get me inside you. Now, we've talked a bit about this during Holy Communion when we share the bread and the wine together and we enjoy what is known as a sacrament of communion or the Lord's Supper. And whether this somehow relates to that. Now, there are those, <clears throat> excuse me, who have argued for many centuries that Jesus is, as we take the bread and wine, Jesus is body it actually becomes jesus's body and blood now i don't personally believe that and it certainly doesn't taste like it when we eat it but there is something about eating the bread and wine in remembrance of jesus and with jesus present by his spirit in that room as we do that together where we are somehow taking him into ourselves in a kind of mystical spiritual profound moment now i i can't explain it any better than that other than to say that somehow by taking these little symbols which they are they're element people talk about them as elements we're taking these things into our bodies we are saying jesus i want you to fill me on the inside i want you i want you to be the bread that i'm feeding on i want you, what you've done on the cross to be my sustenance, that your the life that you give, I want that inside of me. And so there's something about doing that together. We unite ourselves around Jesus. And oh man, it is a profound moment. But listen, these guys are getting really twisted and bent out of shape by it. Verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? But Jesus, say, Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. This is really, really important truth, and we should really take it on board, understand it. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. So he's just been saying you need to eat my flesh. But actually what he's now saying is this is a spiritual concept that I'm trying to impart to you. And actually, if you understand it just naturally with your natural mind, you're going to miss the point of it entirely. He says the flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some among you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. So Jesus even knew that Judas was there. He's a skeptic, but he's kind of going along with the flow. He's staying with the crowd. He's sticking around with the disciples. But Jesus knows that he doesn't believe. But Jesus is taking this. He's, he's saying, are you guys going to get offended by this? Because I know this is difficult for you. But actually, you need to understand that it is the spirit who gives life. So it, this whole thing Jesus is talking about is a spiritual transaction. It's not us physically eating his flesh and drinking his blood. But in the same way that bread sustains us, he sustains us. He sustains us not just for one day, not just for a week, not just for a few weeks. He sustains us through every day of this life and then carries us over into the life to come and gives us eternal life, which is just awesome. 
And so he says, but there are some of you who do not believe for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who would not and sorry, who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by granted him by the father. So he's saying this is a spiritual um, transaction that happens and it's the father who draws people. Good morning, admire. Um, who draws people into relationship with me and that's what makes it work. Verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Now this is profound. Jesus is even giving his disciples the opportunity to bail out and to get out of this relationship with him as it starts to kind of get more, as the challenge seems to increase. And so before there's a challenge of Jesus's lifestyle some of the things he says but now gosh the end of this is this suddenly is getting very difficult particularly for his Jewish followers to hang in there when Jesus starts talking about these things because I'm sure that even as Jesus is explaining it they're not fully getting it and I'm sure many of us have read this a few times maybe a hundred times and still don't fully get it i'm not sure always that i fully get it because i think it's a it's a it's a mystery there is something of the mystery in this that how we're we take jesus into ourselves and he sustains us and all this kind of stuff but jesus is saying actually if you would let the father draw you if you would have a tender heart towards god and an open heart towards him, then you would be able to sense him drawing you. You would be able to enter into this relationship with me that is not about literally knowing my hand or <laughs> any other such novel <laughs> interpretation, but it's about letting me fill you and letting me be part of what's it's, it's letting me sustain your every single day by the life that I have in me by the spirit and he's saying if you could just say yes to me open your heart to me you would find that wonderful miraculous transaction going on and I can take you to hundreds and hundreds of people who whenever they share communion together they would say yeah it's like Jesus is among us and somehow as we eat and drink the bread and wine we just feel nourished and we feel closer to him than we did before and it just refreshes us in our relationship with him reminds us of his incredible family around the world man i just want to say to you listen if you are still dithering about whether to follow jesus or not open your heart today let the father draw you to jesus today and just say jesus i want you I want you to fill my life. I want you to be the bread of life that sustains me 
Lord, I repent. I turn my life around from the way I've been living for me. And now I'm going to live for you. Wash me clean. Make me one of your children. Amen. That is a good prayer. Have an amazing day, you guys. Lots of love.